What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Welcome all of our fans, listeners, Leafs Nation, Habs Nation, with a big dub this week. Uh, it's your boy, Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, it's Cam, the Turf King, Charlton. Cameron, what's going on? You know, just a busy couple of weeks. We weren't able to get on last week. You know, golf season in full-fledged Illness. Um, yeah. Illness. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little sick last week too. Had a little bit of a cold. No COVID. No need to worry there. No COVID. It's flu season though. Like straight up. It's like every, probably everybody that I've talked to in the last, I don't know, four, probably last month has been sick at some point. Yeah, the cold kicked my ass for a few days and uh, couldn't really talk last week much. So uh, wouldn't have been a very good podcast, me just listening to you the entire time. So uh, golf season's in full swing I mean, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. Yeah, I think it's lots of people's opinion. <laughs> I'm just pulling a Sheldon Keefe, just just straight up. Yeah, that's your opinion. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I, yeah no, nothing to say. You're back. You're back. You're yeah, back, back, and you are, you're ready to go. Um, we've there's been like it's been two weeks, so we've had the playoffs have started, and are now mo- like pretty well complete. Not complete the first like the whole playoffs, but the first round is well underway. Yeah, we have one team who's already through. Wasn't much of a series. Yeah. I mean, that's not. I mean, what did um, who's Calgary's coach again? It's uh, like super obvious. His name Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter is like, he's like, yeah, I really don't want to play Colorado in the first round because that's a waste of eight days. And yep, yep, that was a waste of time for uh, Nashville. Now, to be fair, UC Saros wasn't playing for them, so they didn't have their number one goaltender. I mean, they were it, the odds were stacked against them from the start, and it just didn't didn't work out too well. Um, we're gonna get to a lot of NHL stuff. I think that's kind of gonna be our main focus today. Uh, is the NHL playoffs? Uh, there's tons and tons of stuff to talk about, different angles. I got some really good questions for you. Um, just, I, I mean, there, I mean, there's just there's so much. Like, I, I mean, we, gotta, we, we can't. Yeah, we got to start it off with how are you feeling? I mean, I'm gonna get there. I, I I just we're so late on this. I have to get there before this. I'm gonna get there. Don't you worry. If, if you're tuning into this pod thinking there's gonna be a Leafs talk rant from me, yes, there will be. Um, and I'll get there. But I do want to mention because this is like kind of the last like this. We recorded our last episode right before Game Six, and um, that was yeah two weeks ago. And the Raptors went out in Game Six to uh, to the Sixers, and um, yeah, I mean. It's they, they did what they could to be with what they had injured, not as good of a squad on paper. And we kind of said Sixers and six or seven. That's what it turned out to be. Raptors put up a good fight. We don't have to talk about it all night at all, but I just wanted to acknowledge. I thought they did. Okay. Um, I thought, you know, at the end of the day, is it disappointing? Yeah. But I mean, I, I thought it was great being able to see the emergence of Scotty Barnes um, the future is really, really, really bright in Toronto in terms of uh, Raptors basketball. And, and if you looked at the the biggest thing that I took away from that, Cam, was Masai Ujiri's um, presser after that series was over. Did he seem worried at all? Because to me, he looked like one of the happiest guys ever to be knocked out in the first round. Yeah, I don't know if he was happy to get knocked out, but he just looks at the future of this team. You see Scotty Barnes, you see Precious Tachua, you see the young guys coming up big in the playoffs playing multiple roles. They're a couple pieces away. They still need somebody who can play center regularly. I know Chris Boucher shows signs at times, 
but they don't have that. And then they just still need someone who can handle the ball. Freddie can't do it. Pascal's not great at it. Scotty shows signs and maybe he can develop to be that ball handler. But I think Masai just has a plan and he knows his plan and he saw what he needed to from the players here. We had a great season from Freddie, great season from Siakam, Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year, Precious Achua showing signs. So he sees something here that can easily be worked on. Again, what was it last time? We were one player away from winning a championship. We got Kawhi in, we won the championship. This team's set up for a lot longer run than that. Are we still maybe a player away? Yeah, probably. But Masai has a plan and you trust him and he just seemed confident that he has a plan going forward into next year. I think that's a great point. I like I think that I think you nailed it is that they are not that they're one player away, but beforehand you bring Kawhi in, you turn a team that's not a championship team into a championship team. And maybe it's not as I said, maybe it's not one player, but you're not that far off from competing. Like you're really not. I mean, this team they, they you know, injuries aside, I mean, you didn't have and you talk about Fred Van Fleet and like a lot of guys not being able to handle the ball. That's fine. You didn't have Fred Van Vliet for, for that second half of the series. You didn't have Scotty for the first bit of the series, right? You, you had guys with multiple injuries, and they weren't expected to be there in the first place. And, you know, Masai and his, again, his presser was like, you know, the, the Tampa tank season, we won that season. Why? We got Scotty Barnes. What an absolute, like, just, just a ballsy statement considering that, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year. I'm not sure if Scotty Bar is Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year better for Scotty Barnes or better for Masai Ujiri? Both. Like I, I don't know. know. Like I mean, it's hard to argue either one of those sides or argue against either side because it just shows again Masai knows better than us. No, no, and I, I to me it's an unbelievable accomplishment for Scotty Barnes, but I think the big winner with him winning is is Masai Ujiri. Because the critics and everybody saying, you know, you took, you reached, and even we, when like when he picked Scotty Barnes, like I'll be the first to admit, I was like, uh, okay, like I didn't, I like some like Suggs, like I'm like what are we doing here, like, and it it turned out unbelievable, and I I wouldn't change anything. No, no, like Scotty Barnes looks like a stud, just a guy too, like he's just such a fun guy to cheer for. Uh, he seems to be great around a great teammate, everything around him. So Masai made the right choice. I mean, we got a rookie of the year to show for it. So uh, I'm excited to see Scotty Barnes go in the future and see this team. And I'm just going to trust in Masai. We, I guess that's the biggest thing that made us nervous when they made the pick is we weren't sure if Masai was staying. And now it just goes back to we just trust Masai. And, I mean, that's going to kind of continue forever. He hasn't given us a reason not to trust him. He's brought a chip. One of the first chips, the big chips to Toronto ever since the Jays in the early 90s. Um, so until you lose our trust, I guess you've got it. Okay. That's enough Raptors. We're fine with the Raptors. I mean, that's, that's, that I'm, I'm good to go there. We covered it for our fans who are Raptors fans. We didn't want to skip it over after the two week break. It is what it is. They lost, blah, blah, blah. Um, it is the NHL playoffs. It so. Is. I mean, where do you want to start with this? Because now, by the time that we're recording, tonight is the second set of Game 5s. So last night was the first set of Game 5s. Tonight is the the second set of Game 5s. So where do you want to go with this? There's only one. More I'm gonna leave the Leafs to last. Let's talk about whatever. Oh, okay. else. I'll talk about. I'm leaving okay. the Leafs to last. We're gonna talk about it. I mean, that's gonna be the the biggest part of our conversation. Um, 
so okay first and foremost i i want to talk about the refereeing in this playoff because it's been like it's been bad i i really don't know what else to say about it like it's been bad there's just been no flow to games like I get they're trying to call it like the regular season, but they're kind of going over and above beyond with these cross checks, especially like we can't just call every cross check now. Like it's just ruining the flow of the game. It's not impacting plays. You're seeing guys like not even impact the guy. I don't even know if the guy notices he got cross checked, not two minutes for cross checking. There's been inconsistencies along. It's been a bad year for refereeing overall. We've said that it's not an easy game to call. But it just seems like they're caught somewhere in between, and I think that's the NHL directive a little bit. It seems like they really want stuff called like the regular season, but they want it to be a little more playoffs. It just seems like there's a lot of directive maybe that's causing this to be so bad, but it's it's not good. It's ruining the games. For me, who doesn't have a rooting interest in the playoffs anymore, it's tough to watch a hockey game. I haven't been able to get into the playoffs much at all because I don't care what team wins, and the hockey hasn't been that good. The flow has been ruined by their officiating, in my opinion. And it's been league-wide. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Like, as a Leafs fan, I'm like, yeah, I'm bitching about it because the Leafs, and I'll get to it, are the most penalized team in the entire league in the playoffs. Sorry, in the entire playoffs, Leafs are the most penalized team. Second to, uh, sorry, second is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, this series between Tampa Bay and, and the Lightning, or and then the Leafs has been the most penalized series, at, like, of all. But every single game, it's, it's super ticky-tacky. And like it's it's you're right when you talk about flow, it's ridiculous flow wise because you never really get. I, I don't know. Like I, the the biggest thing that I don't know is I don't know who this is helping, because I mean playoff, like you know power play percentage is not up, it's down. If anything, I think this is helping teams who are great penalty killers. As weird as that sounds, I mean, I it just, I mean, how many games have you watched where, which again, if you have a rooting interest, it doesn't matter. I've watched a ton of it. Like it just seems every time a team gets a penalty kill, kills it off, momentum goes their way. And it's kind of been all over the place like that. Right. Like, I mean, every single, every single series that I have watched and I've watched pretty much every series, at least one game. And it's, it's not, it's, it's the same across the board. Which, obviously, when you're saying it's a directive, yeah, it is. But, I mean, the players have to be frustrated with it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm, like, watching some of these series. Like, I think it's actually hurt Tampa a lot more in this series. Because Toronto's a good penalty-killing team. And Tampa's a really good 5-on-5 team. And it's just hurt their flow. They can't get the lines matched up. Even if they're on the power play. You're going power play lines. And if it's not producing, it just screws up your flow. Screws up your line matching. It screws up everything there. So, in that series, I actually think it's definitely benefited Toronto. With the amount of penalties, I don't think the penalties have gone either way, but just with the way they're calling it, I think you get that. And I think it's made some impact in some other series too. Teams that you think would be winning quite easily five on five, like we got this Florida Washington series that's yeah. a lot closer. I don't. I think that's mainly because of special teams there. Like Florida's the better team five on five. If they're playing five on five all series, I think they're going to be the better team. But again, you're just playing. It ruins the flow. It ruins the line matchups. You can't run the lines. So it just kills teams who have been good all season because of their depth and stuff. It's actually killing the depth because you're not using your depth if it's not playing five on five. I I 100% agree. And I think this kind of gets into my next question because I don't want to die. I mean, we got a lot of time. I want to save a lot of time talking about the Leafs because I got lots of stuff on it and there's lots of pieces. So, I mean, the the one question that I have is this is off the cuff. So I'm gonna give you Cam the the series kind of what where we're at in terms of um, where we're at in the series. Caps and Panthers are tied two two. Penguins and Rangers. The pit is up three uh, one. Stars Flames is two two. Um, 
Colorado won their series for nothing, which is a shocker to no one. Like if you're shocked by that, then that's that you're completely out of touch. Leafs are up three two. Carolina's up three two. Uh, St. Louis is up three two, and the LA Kings are up three two on Edmonton. So the, the I have two questions. The first question is is which team that is down three two should be the most worried, and which of these series do you think is the kind of the biggest shock in terms of where the series is at? To me, it's the same series. It's LA Edmonton both ways. Uh, Edmonton is the most worried team here. They're again, not winning again, no matter what they do here. And it's kind of a shock because everyone thought this could be a runaround. Like it, a lot of people are joking around calling LA an AHL team. This team has two of the best two way centers in the entire NHL in Kopitar and Deneau. And you're seeing it again from Deneau. Deneau was a massive reason Montreal made the finals last year. You're seeing the, what, what he's doing at Edmonton again this series. He's now got Darnell Nurse suspended for game six. That's big news. So that's going to help them. Answer. That was questionable. We're going to talk about that after your little point here, but let's go. But for me, those are the both surprising things. But again, if you go back before the season, I was super high on the LA Kings. So it's not completely shocking to me, but... The rest of the people, I know it's a huge shock. A lot of people were comparing this to an AHL team. So for Edmonton, it's definitely the most worrisome. You can't be down 3-2 to the LA team. This is your good year, but your goaltending still questionable. Mike Smith is do or die, it seems like. He's either going to win you a game or cost you a game, and that's just something you can't have with your goalies. I I, I agree with you. So there's a couple things we got to break down here. The first thing is, is that um, I was actually going to give you credit for that. You did call at the start of the, at the, start of the NHL year. Start of the season, you said that I that LA was going to be better than people thought. So pat yourself on the back, Turf King. You nailed it. Yeah, I feel good about that one. It was a good one. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I was not in agreement, and I was wrong, and you were right. So I mean, if we're gonna put it down in in, in whatever, we're gonna put it down on the on the internet. There you go. You were right on that one. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I I mean, if you're Edmonton, for sure, you have to be worried about it. Um. I mean, you know, McDavid came out and said yesterday, if we win four, if we score four goals, we should win the game. I'm not sure if that's, you know, a condemnation on their defense or a condemnation on their goalie. And, I, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff saying, well, like Mike Smith, like what do you expect? And I'm like, have you seen some of the goalies that are playing in this playoffs? Like Anderson's not playing. The Smith is not playing. Like we have a lot of kind of second you know, the second string goalie He's not that they're second string by any means, but because, I mean, they're still playing in the NHL, but we've a lot of people and a lot of goalies who are not playing like, you know, they're not Vasilevsky's or they're not just or whoever you want to talk about. Basically and, every team so far, this playoffs has played at least two goalies. Yeah. Which is insane. So, so like saying like, Oh, like four goals. each No, 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 that's not how it works, man. Four goals, yeah, okay. He's probably saying, reading between the lines, he's probably saying our defense needs to be better, and we are not, we're not performing defensively. And I look at that as like, dude, you're. I mean, yeah, you're playing Jonathan Quick, and Jonathan Quick, as old as he is, which he's not that old. He's in his early thirties, uh, or mid thirties. He's thirty six, I think he is, um, which is crazy because he was. You know, when they're on cup runs and stuff, he's young. But point being is that, like, you know, yeah, you're playing a good goalie. And, yeah, maybe Mike Smith is letting goals that maybe he shouldn't have. But you're the Edmonton Oilers. You're Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Like, you guys 
probably should score more than four a game. Like, it, is it just me? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you need to tighten it up defensively, and you need to tighten it up in playoff hockey. Four goals in playoff hockey should get you a win. It should. But uh, I don't think he's just blaming the goaltending or the defense. I think it's the forwards who need to buy in, too. Like, they just need to buy into the system better. They need to figure it out. But four goals, you should be able to win a playoff game. You should. I don't disagree with Connor McDavid there. You shouldn't need to score five or six, although you're seeing it across the league a little more in these playoffs. You're seeing uh, Toronto-Tampa series. The first four games were all won by teams who scored five goals, at least. So... Uh, maybe got to score five, but uh, yeah, I don't disagree with McDavid, but a lot needs to be done with this team. The goaltending, the defense hasn't good enough. Now you're going to be missing Darnell Nurse in game six, but you just look at this LA team and they're just able to shut it down. So that's where four goals, you don't know if you're going to score much more against this LA team. And I'm going to get to my kind of team that I think is maybe more of a shocker. You know, Edmonton, or who I'm worried about, um, Edmonton is not really, I, I'm not really worried about if I'm Edmonton. I mean, you are obviously the more talented team. You, you, you know, you should win this series. Whether you do, whether you don't, you, you should. I'm not worried if I'm them. Um, Darnell Nurse gets suspended one game for a headbutt. Not called, not called in the play. Uh, player safety reviews it, gives them one game suspension. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because I have some thoughts on it, but, but, but what's your thoughts on this suspension? I don't really have any thoughts on it. Headbutting is always something that they take super seriously, so it's always <laughs> kind of something they want suspended. It's just a headbutt. And it's almost more black and white rule, so I don't really have too much of an opinion on it. See, I, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced it was a headbutt. This is my like. This is the problem that I have with the suspension, and I don't care. Like I, I don't have a dog, and I, I literally could care less. I mean, for me, I would prefer LA to beat Edmonton because then you know the media would shit on Edmonton for a little bit, not on Toronto, and take the pressure off us. But I mean, I look at that. It almost seems to me like Darnell Nurse is hitting into the into Dano. And he's thinking that Deneau is about to come at him after that whistle and gets him a little bit early. Maybe, maybe that's not the end. Like, maybe that, obviously, player safety saw it differently. But to me, I'm like, okay, so kind of, it's not like he, like, full-on, like, you know, yanked his head back and then slammed his head forward and was like, yeah, that's an obvious head. But to me, it was a south-north move and, and kind of looked like he was going for this just kind of hit that you would normally see after a scrum and, and i i don't know i again maybe, maybe i'm just completely off base here but i mean there has to be things in this playoffs that are easily more suspendable like how does the kyle here's the example i'll give you cam how does the kyle clifford hit from behind have the same suspension as the headbutt by darnell nurse like it's that, that to me is, it's it's just more rule the rule of headbutting they just have it as like a match penalty it's just considered like outrageous if you're going to headbutt somebody. So it's just more black and white than any other rule. If you headbutt somebody, you're suspended. Like that's the rule. Like there's not really as much intent or anything. It's like same. there's just some of those things that it doesn't matter if it happens, it happens and that's it. It's a little more black and white than a lot of the other rules. But that's where I'm like, I don't necessarily see that as a black and white headbutt. Yeah, but like, as soon as they deem it a headbutt, it's got to be a suspension. So they deemed it as a headbutt, so it's a one-game suspension. So, but that, but that's where I'm like, I mean, I I don't know, I I didn't like it personally. I mean, you're, and people are talking about like, oh, you're taking Darnell Nurse out for a pivotal game six. I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, I I don't care about 
you know, where they are in the series, like what the implications are. I'm just like, I don't think that that's a clear cut headbutt. And I'm sure Donnell Nurse was like, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to brace for impact after, you know, kind of like you would normally in front of the net. And it just got away from me. And obviously, you know, Peros felt differently and felt that it was intentional and whatever. I mean, it is what it is. But I was like, mm, I, I don't know. If this was a, if this was a court of law and there was a jury, I, I don't think you can prove without a shadow. I don't think you could prove, you know, without a reasonable doubt that that was a headbutt. Yeah, but as we've learned, the Department of Player Safety isn't a jury, and nobody ever really knows what's going to happen. Like, Peros just has to be fired for next year, right? I have no idea, because it doesn't matter who it is or what happens with the Department of Player Safety. It's been bad for years, and I think it's going to continue to be an issue. But how how hard is it, though, to, like, come up with a standard? Because, like, th- this know. is what I struggle with. Watch... Watch the goaltender interference. I never have any idea if it's a goal or not. There's no standards across many of these rules. The Department of Player Safety, there seems to be no standards. So I literally have no clue with some of these. So I don't know what you do to fix it, really. I mean, I, you know, it almost feels like there should just be precedent and say, okay, hey, let's call one at the start of the year, right? And say, these are the reasons why this is goaltender interference or this is a suspension. And then moving on throughout the year, you use that first one that you called as precedence and say, okay, so this was goaltender interference. This is not the same at all. It doesn't meet the kind of the criteria why we decided this is goaltender interference and go from there. Like to me, that would make a lot of sense. That's and there's been what they pivotal goaltender interference in this playoffs. That's what they do at the board meetings, though. They go over what is and what isn't, and then it's still confusing to them during these, and then it still gets confusing in the season. They do that for both, all of these things, for the suspensions, for the goaltender interference. They do it in the offseason at the board meetings and the owners' meetings, the GM meetings, and it still doesn't help it. So I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know what the solution with that's going to be. Okay, uh, my biggest worry right now is, man, the Pittsburgh Penguins being up on 3-1 on the New York Rangers, which a lot of people had the New York Rangers really high, um, kind of on their on their playoff list, on their pools. Had them going a long way. Shostorkin is going to win the uh, Vesna, no problem, against a, an older Pitt team who's not, you know, I wouldn't say that they're prime necessarily on, on winning a Stanley Cup. You know, Casey DeSmith is there was their goalie. He went out early with injury. Louis Domingue and the spicy pork, not the best, is uh, <laughs> is kind of covering for Pitt now. And they're three one in the series. For me, out of all the teams that are around, I mean, dude, the Rangers have to be the most worried. And it, here's the thing I'll say though, is like they have to be the most worried because I mean they are a better team. They had a better season. You can say what you will about, you know, where, what media thinks about them and whatever. But I just look at it as like, okay, you're down 3-1. You should be more concerned about that than a team that's down 3-2 or where it's 2-2 or whatever the case is. And you haven't been able to get wins against Louis Domingue, who's their second string goalie. And, I mean, yeah, he's a good, he's a great backup. Sort of, whatever, yeah. But, I mean, Louis Domingue was was a second string goalie. Backup yeah, been for a, backup. a lot of years with Tampa. Yeah, he's been Tampa right? and Arizona. He's been all over the place, but he's still third string in Pittsburgh. And you're down 3-1 of this dude. 
Like spicy yeah, but... pork can't be that strong. Yeah, see, see, like I don't find this surprising because I had Pittsburgh winning this in six. This I wasn't high on this New York team at all. They're super young. Uh, they relied on their goalie to get a ton done. He set like unbelievable numbers. His numbers are better than Carey Price's MVP season in some categories or right next to them. That's what they relied on to get to where they did during the regular season. They can have issues scoring. They have a, they don't have a ton of experience in the playoffs. So I thought this Pittsburgh team would beat this New York team pretty easily. And I don't think it's the goaltending that's the big difference. Like this Pittsburgh structure and stuff behind their coach, behind this, the way those guys can play two ways. Like I wasn't that worried about this Pittsburgh team. So to me, this isn't that shocking because I had Pittsburgh in six. I really liked the Pens winning this series. I wasn't high on New York. I haven't been high on New York. Shesterkin had an unbelievable regular season. He hasn't been great in the playoffs. And that's the difference. You just see guys, you don't know how good they are until they play in the playoffs, until you actually see it. And Shesterkin just had one of the best regular seasons we've ever seen, and he hasn't been good. That's the difference. So, again, I just thought one rookie, or not rookie, young goalie, everything he brought to New York to get them to this point, if he has any hiccup in the playoffs, which he is having, they were in a lot of trouble, and they are. And the last series before the obviously series that everybody's waiting for that we all want to talk about uh, is the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. And they're tied 2-2. Game 5 goes tonight. Um, Dallas's defense has been excellent. I mean, they've really been shut down. Like a lot of their a lot of Calgary's really star players have not just that they just have not produced what they what they need to be doing. Um, I mean, Kachuk, Gaudreau, they just they they haven't been kind of the studs that they've been, and a lot of that is credited to Dallas's defense. Um, I mean, you're back home for Game Five in Calgary this evening. Uh, we'll see what the time this is released. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, do you expect more from Calgary in this series? Where I mean, I know Dallas made the Stanley Cup Final two years ago. I think it was the bubble they made the Stanley Cup Finals. So I don't know if it's that big of a shock, but Calgary was super dominant during the year i mean jesse pollock was one of those guys tsn barstool or bar uh what's it called bar down guys who was like yeah i don't expect much from the flames i mean they had an unbelievable year and they just they they just haven't looked sharp to me in the in the playoffs at all they, they just kind of mosey through and it's not like and again we're going to get to this but it's not like the leafs where or the tower Tampa where you can say man they look really good at points they've just kind of been there They've just kind of done what they needed to do to get a 2-2 split. And I don't know. I, I, I've just personally been underwhelmed. Johnny Goudreau, the last three years, ranks 346 out of 348 players in expected goals 5-on-5 five five during the playoffs. So something clicks him where he just doesn't produce chances in the playoffs. I don't know what how much to read into that, but... He doesn't seem to be able to get it done in the playoffs. The game tightens up a bit. He's a smaller guy. This Dallas team's great defensively. Calgary's playing great defensively, too. Jake Ottinger for Dallas has been unbelievable in net, and you got to give a ton of credit there. But uh, I'm not too worried. Like, this series is 2-2. Calgary, I think, can dominate a game. They should win this. Are you a little worried about Calgary? A little bit, but I just think they're so much better. I still think Colorado or Calgary is going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I will stick by that right now. Uh... Here's my question for you, Burke. Do you find it weird that the captain of the Ottawa Senators is fully decked out in flame stuff watching the games? Yeah, that's weird. And, like, crushing beers, too. Yeah. But, like, would you expect anything else? Like, I mean, okay, I'll flip this around on you. If you were playing for Calgary and your brother was playing for Ottawa and you were, like, I don't know, they're, they chirp each other a lot. But let's oh, just say close. you were... They're super close. 
Let's just say they're close. Would you expect your brother to put on your colors and crush beers at your games if you weren't in it? I don't know if I'd expect him to wear the colors. I'd expect him to be at the game crushing beers and cheer me on, but I don't know about the colors thing. That's kind of what threw me off. Like, you're the captain of the Ottawa Senators. You shouldn't be wearing Calgary Flames stuff. Would it be, like, offside if he wore, like, a Senators captain jersey to the game? Yeah, that would be weird, too. Just just so wear neutral. He... Just, just wear normal clothes. <laughs> just just, like just a gray beers. shirt. Gray yeah. shirt. Gray shirt, crushed beers. He was drinking a Michelob Ultra, by the way. Like, I mean, this guy's apparently watch watching the, his weight. Yeah, got to watch the calories. It's the off season. That's brutal. You're not 50-year-old realtor. Like, what are you doing? Come on. I guess he's just trying to enjoy the playoffs because he's the captain of the Senators, so he won't see it for a while. Man, by the way, I was going to ask you this, um, and we haven't talked about this at all. Like, some of the stuff we talked about, like, we scripted and everything, but, um, like, what the heck is happening with the Senators, man? Like, here's my question. How is Pierre Maguire fired when, like, their owner died? Who's firing this dude? I have no idea. The GM? I don't really know what's going on with that entire organization or anything. I don't really pay attention. I'm just really hoping we don't have Pierre Maguire come back on TV. Because that would be horrible. Uh, the best thing about Pierre Maguire working for the Ottawa Senators is we did not have to have him on TV broadcasts. We did not have to hear about <laughs> Pierre Maguire for a couple years here. And now we might have to hear from him again. So that's terrible. So that's this organization is just a mess and they're hurting our hockey viewing experience. The biggest Crosby dick sucker is back on TV. That is that is so unfortunate, though. But, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's that's another point. Like, I mean, not that we really care about Ottawa. Like, people would talk about the Battle of Ontario. It's not a battle. It hasn't been a battle since the early 2000s. No one cares about Ottawa. I mean, the biggest battle is the Habs and the Leafs, and that's just kind of how it's been. Not this year. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, I'm kind of delaying my Leafs talk because I'm just so excited to talk about it. So I want to get to your Habs first. Habs take the... Uh, first overall pick, 25% chance to get it, and they got it. Um, I mean, it's the perfect tank. You, yeah. you make the Stanley Cup Finals the, the, the year prior, and then you have the worst year ever where you don't play any veterans because they're all hurt or on or an LTIR. You get a great look at a lot of your prospects and young players. You get to play. You get to, you know in a sense, live interview coaches than Marty St. Louis and all these kind of guys. And then you complete the perfect tank and get the first overall pick. I really don't think this could have gone any better for the Montreal Canadiens this year, to be honest. No, July 7th, 2000, 2021, the Montreal Canadiens got kicked out of the Stanley Cup Finals. July 7th, 2022, they will be picking Shane Wright first overall. They're picking Shane Wright. So uh, within 12 months... Uh, this is what's going to happen. They go from the Stanley Cup Finals to picking Shane Wright first overall. So it's super exciting. Uh, I'm excited to be a Habs fan. This is super exciting. We're going to have Nick Suzuki. We're going to have Shane Wright for years here. It's it's going to be a ton of fun. I was super nervous watching this yesterday, like the New Jersey Devils. You see the star beside their name. You're like, oh, crap. Are they going to get first overall? Montreal's going to end up second. We could do a lot with the second overall pick, but uh, Shane Wright's going to be a Hab July 7th, 2022, 12 months after we got kicked out of the Stanley Cup Finals. So so you're happy? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a perfect year considering everything that went wrong with the players they lost. Like, you're seeing how important Philip Deneau is. You're watching him for LA these playoffs. He was massive. Edmondson, Weber, Price, like all these things that went on. That That's the biggest question mark is what's going to happen with Carey Price because if he's not going to play again, That'll be messy, but uh, yeah, you got Shane Wright, you got Nick Suzuki, you got Cole Caulfield. You watch 
some of these other guys, Nick Waugh in the QMJHL just had 12 points as his team swept the first round of the QMJHL playoffs. Caden Gooley, a big shutdown defenseman who is going to captain Team Canada at the World Juniors. He's leading his team in points in the playoffs as a defensive defenseman. So it's an exciting time to be a Habs fan. And after coming off the high of last year, it was kind of a perfect year given everything. Who um, who, who kind of best, like what's the best comparable for Shane Wright for you guys? Like where is he going to kind of slot in? in terms of your lineup, like is he an immediate difference maker or is he kind of one of those guys who, you know, is going to need a couple of years to kind of get into the, get into the flow. Shane Wright's just got a super high floor. Like he doesn't have the offensive upside of a lot of these first overall picks, but his floor is super high. Like he just keeps getting the Patrice Bergeron comparison. So I think he's going to slot right into their second or third line setter right away because he's just so good defensively. He's that elite defensively. He's not going to jump off the page and do anything silly. He still put up 94 points in 63 games in the OHL, which is nothing to laugh about. But he didn't hit the 100-point mark. He started the year off slow. But he still looks like an incredible player. You saw glimpses in the World Junior like pre-tournament there of what he can do. And uh, he's just going to be important. you got two 200-foot centers now for hopefully years, Nick Suzuki and hopefully Shane Wright here. Uh, it's not official. Logan Cooley or Slavoski could go with that pick, but I expect it to be Shane Wright. And... He's just going to be super dependable, two-way center for years. So your GM's not going to draft his kid then? No, he he did say that he's not going to draft his kid. His kid, I think, is supposed to be a late first, early second. So Montreal does have at least one other first. So he might I was draft gonna, his kid. I was going to say, so what if he's there like early second? Yeah, then you might see him pick it up. But uh, yeah, he's not picking his kid first overall. Man, I wondered, how, I wondered how awkward that would be. Like, let's just say, like, if your kid was, say, a top three prospect, right, and you're the GM of the team, and it's it's close. Like, you know, the difference between Shane Wright and your kid was barely anything. We like, like a Taylor-Tyler year where it was could have gone either way, and your kid's one of the t- two there. Yeah, like, how weird, like, I mean, how awkward would that be at the GM? Because... Like you don't want to be like, oh, I draft, uh, you know, I'm drafting him because he's a skilled player, and sure you can do all your stuff. But what if it was like neck and neck? Like how awkward would you feel drafting your own kid? There's no way. I mean, everybody who's ever played hockey, especially in Southern Ontario, has dealt with you know the coach's kid or oh, whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's all been a thing. I, it would be so weird and like bad for the kid too because when you get on the team, like you don't think that veterans are going to be like. Oh hey, like welcome to the team, Daddy's boy. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a hundred percent going to be a thing. Oh yeah, you know there's going to be jokes thrown out, but I think at the same time, once you get to that level, you kind of just know good players. And if he was that good, it wouldn't be that big of an issue. But there would be chirps for sure. I, I would expect so. Um, all right, you want to get into it? Yeah, you can't avoid it forever. I can't. Do you want to interview me, or how do you want to do this? I, I don't really have too much to say. I mean, first off, just, I mean, how are you feeling going into game six? Um, I feel a lot better going into game six up 3-2 than I would down down a game, down, you know, with Tampa up 3-2. You know, history aside, I mean, I look at it, I mean, and I just want to clarify this right off the hop. So, I'm sorry, Cam, this has been digging at me for fucking two weeks. I just, I want to... Put this right out in the open. Very, very clear for anybody who listens to us, any of our friends, that I am extremely level-headed when it comes to the when it comes to Toronto Maple Leafs. 
there are really bad Leafs fans out there. Like, absolute home. I, I'm extremely level-headed when they suck. And I've said this before. I, I'm having deja vu saying this. When they suck, they suck. And when they're good, they're good. And I will call it out either way, no matter how I feel. Conventional wisdom will tell you that being up, and this is the most obvious thing ever, being up 3-2 is significantly better than being down 3-2. So how do I feel? I feel fucking great. You got two chances to close it out. Yeah, they had three last year, though, so. Yeah, I know they had three last year, but this is this year, Cameron. I don't want to talk about it. I'm still living on last year a bit, so I got to keep bringing it up. That's fine. But overall, I mean, I feel I feel good. I don't know. I, after last night, I don't know how you can't feel good. No, even from the outside in, you finally saw Matthews and Marner score a big goal in a big moment in the playoffs, which they hadn't done. You saw Campbell bounce back after the first six minutes there, which he really needed to do. And I know everyone's talking, oh, Campbell's figured it out. Campbell was the better goalie last year in the first round. If you look at every analytic and every stat, Jack Campbell outplayed Carey Price, which is insane because everyone's like, oh, Carey Price stole the series. No, Montreal's players just showed up better than Toronto's. Matthews and Marner were invisible. Nylander was pretty good, but Matthews and Marner were invisible. And they haven't been this year. So as a Leafs fan, that's got to be optimistic is they've been better. This is the best playoffs we've seen from Matthews and Marner in their career. By far. By far. Yeah, and we're only five games in, so... That's got to have some optimism as a Leafs fan. You got to be kind of optimistic about that. Now it's do or die, though. Like, they got to show up in these must win games. The Leafs are now 1 and 8 since 2017 after, or well, being up in a series. They're 1 and 8. So they won last year once when they were up 2 1 to go up 3 1. That's it. So we got to see what they're going to do this year. But uh, so far, there's got to be a lot of reason for optimism. I totally agree. I mean, I Jack Campbell has been the better goaltender this series. I mean, John Cooper can say whatever he wants about, oh, you know, we'll take a 3.5 goals against average every two-game series. Shut the fuck up. I don't know where to start, dude. I have so much I want to say. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just – it doesn't – Neither goalie's been very good. But, like, I wouldn't expect them to be good. If they are not scoring three, four goals a game, like, what are we doing here? With the amount of power plays that we've had, like, if yeah. these were 2-1 games, I'd be shocked, right? Like, I mean, Toronto has had 126, as when I saw this, stat, I was like, 126 to 98 for, like, Tampa's the second most penalized team this playoffs at 98 PAMs, and Toronto's at, like, 126? Yeah, I mean, if you have the most PAMs and your, your power play's always out there, yeah, I expect it. And I just want to, the other thing I want to toss out here is penalties, and we've talked about this earlier in the podcast, Penalties have been brutal both ways. They're they're like the first game that we watched. Leafs won five nothing. Or I, uh, let me let me go to game two. I was at game two, and Tampa ended up winning. Uh, I think it was five three, and they were up early and, and often. And it penalty wise, I mean there was four uh, no 12, 11 or twelve penalties that game in the building. There should have been two aside. They, they, maybe yeah. maybe three for Tampa, two for Toronto, somewhere along those lines. I mean, obviously the fans are going nuts off everything, which whatever. I mean, your home crowd, you're going to do that. There probably should have been five penalties. And there was 11 or 12? Yeah. That's too much. It's insane. And we and the, as you said, the flow, it's all off. And yeah, I mean, obviously in a series, like if you look at like which series has had the most goals, other than Colorado, because Colorado just fucking pumped the shit out of Nashville. But what other series has the most goals? It's Toronto, Tampa. 
two of the highest powered offenses and the most penalty minutes and the most power play four on four, all of that, all like the most. Yeah, they're going to score a shit ton of goals. From a goaltending perspective, I mean, I thought Jack Campbell, I mean, I think I'll start here first. So Jack Campbell, game one, shutout. Excellent. Good job. Second game, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think that he was necessarily responsible for a lot of those goals. I mean, I just think the Leafs did not play well. Game three, he played decently. Uh, game four, the Leafs gave up two backdoor goals, and two of them were on the power play in the first six minutes of the game. It was 3 nothing, seven minutes in, seven and a half minutes in. That game was a write-off. Last game, game five, um, you know, the first goal by Stamkos, you know, that's that's probably one you got to have. It was an open look. You could say, well, it's a knuckling puck. Yeah, you probably got to have that one. And he knows that one. He knows he needs that one back. Penman, it's a screen off the inside of the post. Like, it was a perfect shot. Not much you can do about that. McDonough was teed up a bomb, a 90-mile-an-hour clap bomb from the middle of the circle. Uh, like, no goalie in the league is going to stop that if you put it in the right spot. So, I mean, I don't know. If I'm Jack Campbell, I feel pretty good about myself regardless of kind of the goals against average. Um, that's just how I feel. I don't know. How, like, you're, you're you're a goaltender by nature, so I don't know how you feel about it. But I look at it like, man, like I really don't think that he has anything to hang his head about. Uh, I mean, they're up 3-2, but I don't think he has to hang his head about anything in the series. No, you can look at a lot of the goals both ways, and you're like, okay, you can understand why they went in. But this is the NHL. You make saves that you shouldn't all the time. Uh, both goalies over 3-4 goals against, both under 900 save percentage. That's just not acceptable either way. Luckily, they're both doing it. They just both should be better. And if you really want to win in the playoffs long term, both goalies need to be better for whoever gets out of the series. So I'm not saying he's playing horrible by any means, but you got to be better to make it far in the playoffs. But they're lucking out that neither goalie has really been playing their best hockey. So I don't think it's a massive difference maker so far when we were thinking that you really Campbell needed to be better than Vasilevsky, but neither's been good. So I guess Campbell's been slightly better, but not a ton. All right. So do should I just go on my yeah my go. piece? You want me to go on my piece, or you got any more questions? Because I'm down no. for questions first. I don't got any more questions. I've been paying that close attention to the series. So okay. So I mean, the, the first and foremost, the, the biggest thing that's bothered me this series is the. And I put this in our group. I, I and and I apologize for the language if this is insensitive, whatever the case. I mean, Leafs fans are fucking pussies. They really are. It, it is it is embarrassing. What I have seen on Leafs uh, social media and from people on Twitter, people getting interviewed in Maple Leaf Square. Shut the fuck up. Like it is the, the highs and lows of this team. You knew you weren't going to go four and out. Like, God damn, you knew it. I put it out on Twitter, at Zach over 6. I said that they was going to be Leafs and 6, which by nature, the Leafs are going to lose 2. And frankly, I don't really care how they're going to lose 2. As long as they win 4, I don't give a fuck how they lose the other 2. I think that's the fairest statement that I've ever said. If your team wins 4 games, who gives a goddamn, like, who cares? Nobody cares. You win four games, move the fuck on. That's it. It's over. You win the series, nobody cares about what happened in the games you lost. That's the truth. Now, the only reason that might be different is because you say, okay, well, that builds foundations, and if you lose really badly, that could affect the next game. That's fair. You win the series, it doesn't fucking matter. 
Leafs fans are so fucking fickle. It's unbelievable. I cannot, I, it just, it bothers me so much. And, and part of the problem is, is that you have all the other fan bases, all the other people, um, anybody else on Twitter who are like, man, these fucking Leafs fans are ridiculous. Yeah, they are. And yeah, I'm a part of it. And it sucks because it's like, I'm trying to legitimately, like when we're talking in group chats, whatever the case is, I'm trying to like have a serious conversation or not even really serious, but just saying, Hey, I thought this was good. And I'm just getting the shit chirped out of me. And you know what? They deserve the Leafs in general deserve to get the shit chirped out of them because of the performances that they've had over the past couple of years. Can you not look at game five there and six minutes in think deja vu, this is over. 100%. I was sitting watching that game and I was like, oh my God. I actually said that. I was like, man, this is deja vu. That is something over. we haven't that game is something we haven't seen from this Leafs team. Being able to come back from that start is something we haven't seen in this Leafs team ever. I'm getting there. I'm gonna get there. I, I gotta roll through it, Cam. I got I got two weeks worth of shit I gotta talk about here. The first one is the fans, right? So I'm good with you know, I, I I'm good with doubting the team. Okay. From a fan's perspective, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not given any fan any reason to be optimistic. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. I mean, why would you? Okay. So that's they a fair statement. They haven't won a fourth game in the playoffs since when? They blew a 3-1 fucking lead to the Montreal Canadiens, who were the worst playoff team in the fucking North Division last year. Like, on paper, they were the worst team. And you blew a 3-1 fucking lead to them. Bounce here, bounce there. I don't really give a fuck. That's how that's how it ended up. You blew a lead to the Montreal goddamn Canadiens. And that, that just can't happen. That, that, and it's inexcusable. Can't happen. Habs went on a great run. Not taking anything away from them in John Cooper style. We didn't give them the series. Whatever you want to talk about. Um, they, they went an amazing run. That can't fucking happen. The series before. Or the year before. In the bubble. You lose the best of five to fucking Columbus. Are you out of your mind? The year before that, you go out to Boston. Like, yeah, there's no reason for us to trust you. I get the angst of Leafs fans. A hundred percent. More more than anybody, because I live and die with this team. But you can't be like when you go when you're up one nothing, and then the second game you lose at home, and people are like, oh, this is the end. What a terrible game by Lee. And you go, and you went 2 1 in Tampa. And people were like, oh, plan the parade. Leafs are unreal. Can't believe it. And then the next game, you get fucked up in Tampa, game four, a must win game for the for the Lightning. People were like, fuck this team. Can't believe it. They owe the fan. They don't owe you shit. I'm sorry. The Toronto Maple Leafs players don't owe you a goddamn thing. They know more than anybody they need to, they need to succeed. Why? Number one, because if they want to remain the same team, they have to win. Like, that's it. There's no other choice. They have the salary cap structure to remain the same team for the next year. If they don't win and don't succeed, they're getting blown up because the GM's going to be gone. And the new GM's going to want to do his own thing. The ups and downs of the average Leaf fan is absolutely atrocious to me. It cannot happen. Be way more, be way more level-headed, man. You know it's going to be this flow, this 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 great game and, and a bad game. That's just how playoffs are. How awesome is it when you're in a playoff series? It goes to Game Seven and your team wins. It's one of the greatest feelings ever. You know this, Cam. Your team did it last year. Yep. Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable feeling. Right, and it's not 
like and yeah you can bitch about how the how the halves were down three one but you're not you're celebrating how they won four three yeah all that matters all that matters is the dub that's it bottom line if you win the series you don't win the series like that's all that matters nobody gives a fuck how you get from point a to point b because guess what happens after you win the series you have a new team to play and it's all wiped away and all is good that's how it goes like that's that's and and, and anyway fans really bother me that's number one it's it's a long rant i'm sorry it it is what it is it's just going to be long i'm very passionate about it all for Leafs fans though the one thing i will say is this has been one of the weirdest series where one team each game looks so dominant and the other team looks like they didn't show up and that's like, I don't, I, I know John Cooper's making those comments to kind of hex or whatever, but it's kind of true. And even when Tampa's won, like the Leafs didn't show up in those games. Like, it's just been so weird how only one team showed up in each game. So this series, I'll give Leafs fan a little more credit than you will, but this has been one of the most like Jekyll and Hyde series for both teams. I think I've ever seen where each game, one team looks really good and the other team looks absolutely horrible. The only thing I'll argue with that, Cam, is that both of these teams, and I'm sorry if people don't like this, I think these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. I I firmly believe that right down to my core. I do not give Florida any credit. I do not think Florida's a good team. And I get some credit because last year I said I said Edmonton was no good. I said Winnipeg was no good. I, I, I called Winnipeg was going to get swept by the Habs. Winnipeg was a disaster team. And I firmly believe Florida is the same thing. I do not think that they're... I watched them live this year. I do not... Like, they have a lot of scoring power, but they're really weak defensively. I just... I do not think they're... they're, they're they don't, they don't have that X factor. I don't think they're it. I don't... I'm not... I look at... Across the board, whoever comes out of this series, Tampa, Toronto, whoever it is, I... If I'm any of those teams, I am not afraid of a single team in this, in this Eastern Conference. I'm not. I think these are the two best teams. So... I think that being said, but which by the way, I'm not saying that those two teams are going to win the cup. I just think, or, or even, you know, get to the cup final. I, I'm just saying, I think those are the two best teams in my opinion to, you know, moving forward. I look and say, is, is it, does it make sense that you have these flip flop games? I think so. Cause I think you have the, the two best teams. I think when you have one team rolling, yeah, it's it's it looks like I think this is kind of what John Cooper is getting at. It's it's I think it's stupid, but John Cooper is like we got to stop giving them games. I didn't think that Tampa gave them the, the Leafs the game last night. I mean, Tampa was unbelievable. Was was great in the first period. They had their the, the their foot was on the throat. Maybe they didn't. I mean, Jack Campbell came out and saved the Leafs. They the Leafs woke up and they at least dominated the second period. What what is giving a team? Look, what does that even mean? At what point is 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 just one team playing better than the other? Like I I just don't get this whole kind of like oh like oh this team gave it to them like it was so lopsided. Well, it might be, but maybe that's just the fact that bo- like both teams have that amount of skill that they have players that can just take over games. Okay, but you've just seen it too much in the series where the team just literally gives up. I mean, we watched Will- William Nylander go into the corner, not to that extent maybe for Tampa, but you just see teams get away from their game plan and they just start giving up stupid things and doing stupid things that you don't expect from them. The giveaways stand out in game one and game five for Tampa where the giveaways from the defensemen are just super high and super way worse. Mikhail Sergachev has been horrendous. He has been arguably the worst player on the ice on either team this entire series. 
and especially in game ones and game five, his giveaways, some of it, the mess he's making, he literally looks like he can't defend a one-on-one. So it's uh, it's tough that way. It's just guys like that who are getting away from the what they've done to be successful. And I think that's what he, maybe more he's implying. And you've seen it both ways in this series where the teams just haven't shown up. Game one, Toronto played really well. But Tampa was not Tampa. That is the worst Tampa team I've seen. So they did kind of give it away, in my opinion. That then one we, I agree. That one I then agree. We, then we see game four, and the Leafs did not show up. They didn't care to be there. It's like they forgot they were playing that night. So in my opinion, yeah, the Leafs gave it to Tampa. Tampa was a better team, and they played quite good. But the Leafs also didn't show up. So yep. game five, maybe not quite to the same extent, but it has been back and forth in the series a little bit that way. Well, and that I think that's a fair assessment. I would say the, the Tampa did not play to their potential at all in game one. Game four, the Leafs was the exact same thing. That was a carbon copy of game one the other way. They, 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 did, they did play horribly. Game five, I thought... Like that, and this is kind of getting to the point that we were talking about when you're talking about how the Leafs showed something that they haven't shown before, and that's a great point. And I 100% agree. Where they're down two nothing in the first six minutes of the game, you have an opportunity here. Sorry, I shouldn't say opportunity. There's a chance here that this could get out of hand quick. You're at home. You need this one. It's not a must win. I hate that. I hate saying it's a must win. I hate it because unless you're like unless it's your back it's a must win for Tampa now. It's a must win for Tampa now. Now it's a must win for Tampa because if they don't win, they don't make it through or don't get another crack at it. Game five was not a must win for Toronto because I think both both these teams have the skill to do what they need to do and 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 win out. I think that that's both sides of it. It was not a must win for Tampa. It was not a must win for Toronto. I believe that both ways. Um, but but yeah, you look at that and say, okay. You know, the Leafs, they were down, as I said, down 2 nothing early. That That's a great opportunity for them to pull a classic Leaf, right? Well, you know, give a big lead up early, not show up. And what was the catalyst there? Jack Campbell made a couple of big saves. After a talk from Jason Spezza, I want to get to this too. The talk from Jason Spezza, okay, which whatever. Jason Spetson, old guy on the team, telling basically telling Jack Campbell, calm down, it's not on you, it's on us. He made a couple of big saves. They got a goal. They're up, they're down 2 1. I was saying when I was watching, I'm like, man, we're down 2 1. If we go down 3 1, we lose this game. Because I think the energy be sucked out of the building, sucked out of the team. You need to at least tie it. If you go down 3 2, that's a lot different. Uh, but if you're down 3 1, like, good fucking luck. It's like you, just the, the way the momentum works, it just ain't going to happen. They ended up going 2-2, 3-2. Tampa tied it up. Again, another opportunity where Toronto could have said, you know what, this is like this is bullshit. We're just not going our way. They grinded it out, got that lead, and then they held the lead. I think that's the other big thing that's been a difference is they've got they've they've had two leads, one goal leads, late in the third period. And yeah, obviously, you know, you pull the goalie, it's in your end, but they've looked really composed in those situations and not as running around the zone as they usually do and really are able to drain the clock and look like a team who can control a lead like that, which they 100% have not done in the past. Yeah, no, I mean, just that game was something I hadn't seen from Toronto yet. Uh, when it was 2-0, I thought it was over. I thought the series was over because, I'm sorry, I didn't believe the Leafs could come back from 3-2. Uh, if That's why I thought it was a more important game for the Leafs to win Game 5. Again, not a must win. But 
I could not see the Leafs coming back from 3-2. I can see Tampa coming back from 3-2. I mean, you got to have some hope for them because they won the Cup the last two years. So there's I'm not saying they can't come back from 3-2. But everything with this Leafs team, if they lost that game after going down 2-0 like that, the series was over in my opinion. So to see that, something we haven't seen from this group of guys, we haven't seen a series like this from Marner or Matthews. And then even Nylander since not going into that corner for that hit, he's been one of the best players on the ice for either team. So... And this is You've something seen. we've talked about, right? Their best players being their best players when it matters. Yeah. That's it. That It's not just the Leafs either. It's every team. I mean, this is Edmonton too, right? Your best players have to be your best players when it comes down to it. And the Leafs thus far, I mean, I, the, you know, the game-winning goal for Matthews was an absolute, that was Marner all day. I don't care. I don't care what lefty it was on that left side. It could have been uh, whoever. McKayev, I don't get, I don't, well, maybe not McKayev. He's got, got brick hands. But, you know, any lefty should have scored that goal. You could have scored that goal with a shovel. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the wherewithal for Marner to make that, you know, off the pad shot, pass, whatever you want to call it, unreal. But to me, that was not even the biggest thing. The biggest thing was you're able to close it. You know, you're, you're, you you score that goal with six minutes left. You're up 4-3. I did not want to see overtime because I was already, my hands were clammy as fuck and I was sweaty and my heart rate was a billion. But like that, being able to close it. And that's something Sheldon Keefe talked about in terms of the series. You know, game five means nothing unless we close it. And that's the hardest step. And I 100%, I mean, you can't disagree with that. And that's the biggest thing the Leafs have had. And the question that I have for you is, is like, I'm not trying to be, you know, ridiculous in terms of being a Leafs fan, right? I'm not saying you win this series, you make the cup final, whatever. But does it not boost your confidence, like, extremely high moving into the next series that they can get this done, that they finally got over that hump and they were able to close that? Yeah, no, you're going to get all the Washington comparisons again if they finally get over the hump here and beat Tampa, who's the defending back-to-back champions. Washington finally got over that hump of beating Pittsburgh, and they went on to win a cup. So you're going to get all those comparisons, and it definitely is a big step. I still think there's a much better teams than Toronto in the playoffs still. I still think Calgary and Colorado are the best two teams. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it should be it should hold over well into the next round. You're going to get Florida or Washington in the next round. So we'll see what happens there. So, yeah, I think it'll it'll go over really well if they can win it and they might be able to carry that momentum. But to me, I'm like game six here. Who's the pressure more on? Ooh. Um, it's gotta be on Tampa. I, I think, I mean, I, I look at it and say like the, I think the biggest problem the Leafs have had in this series in general is they've had really poor starts in the two games that they've lost. They had horrible starts. Ah, sorry, and when one game that they won, three out of the five they've had bad starts. They've had they've been down double like two goals in the first half of the first period in three games. That's a problem. You can't you can't do that. But I I I really do think Tampa's the biggest pressure here. As much as the Leafs have not got it done, and they haven't got it done since two thousand and fucking four. You just won a huge game where you came from behind. So even if you get down behind in the first period, the attitude there is going to be like, we've been here, we've done this, we can do this, we know we can do this, let's fucking go get it. And if you get up one, two goals, if you're the Leafs, 
I think Tampa, you, Tampa, if you're Tampa, you're like, holy fuck, like we're really in a hole now. And if you're the Leafs, you just have that confidence where you're like, hey, we were down 2-0 and now we're up 2-0, we're up 1-0, like we can get this done. We have the skill to do it. Let's go get it. Any team that has their back against the wall, I mean, I don't know how you can argue they they don't have the most pressure. I mean, maybe the the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions probably have the least pressure out of anybody else in that situation. That's, that's more of like, point. If, if it was any other team down 3-2. I'll acknowledge that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a question. But this is the back-to-back defending champions. They've been there, done that. They've come back in series. The Leafs haven't done, won a game four. They haven't but won like four that's, games. But that's where, like, I would argue that you actually get complacent then. Right. Like, I think that's a worry that I would have. Right. If I was a Tampa fan now and, and like I'm like, you know, fan of the show, uh, our buddy Nathan is he's a huge Tampa fan. And you've won two cups like, you know, if I'm a Tampa fan, I look at it and say, oh, if we lose, we lose, we win, we win, whatever. I mean, he has if he loses, he's got to take a picture of Leafs jersey and post it as a profile picture until the Leafs are out of the playoffs. I mean, that's one thing. Bet aside. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. it the thing is though, those guys still want to win though. Right. I mean, I would think they still want to win, but that's the other part of it where I'm like, I don't know. Like, do you get complacent and say, man, like, you know, we've already won two, like, it's okay. Like we're fine here. Or are these guys like that? That's how their competitive level is where they're like, Hey, like backs against the wall. We got to go get this. Got to do it for the fans. I don't know. I, I actually don't know who has the most pressure here. Toronto for sure has pressure. No doubt. You've just seen it both times. Anytime Tampa's lost in the playoffs, you see Vasilevsky's numbers. You see what Tampa does after a loss. They just seem to kick it up a gear. They seem to know what to, how to get it done, what to do. And that's what I just think you're going to see here. And Toronto backs against the wall trying to get that fourth win. I know it's not backs against the wall because it's not game seven yet, but it's still like it's that it's that big thing. Like it's the demon that they can't get over. It's that hump that they haven't been able to get over. So... To me, I still think the pressure's on Toronto here, and I think that's the way Tampa's going to go into the game, being like, we've been here, done this, we've come back, we don't lose after losing a game, and the Leafs, they know that they can't get that fourth win. They've been there, done that, so it's just whether Toronto can carry over that momentum from game six and coming back and showing stuff they haven't, or if we're going to see the old demons of past. This is the funny part is, is that I don't know what's the bigger demon is the bigger demon that you can't get it done in game seven or is the bigger demon that you haven't won a playoff first round play like been out of the first round since 2004. I I don't know. Like I, if I, if you don't like, I, I seriously, that's one of the things that I've really thought about is like, Hey, what, like, what is the bigger accomplishment here? Is it winning in game seven? Cause you, you kind of kill the out of the first round thing, but you also, every time you get into that game seven, you're like, Oh, like fuck, we're going to really do this again. Or is it, I mean, to me, that's the bigger thing. I mean, if you want to talk about must-win games, to me, game six is a must-win game more than any of them. I mean, obviously, game seven is a must-win game, whatever. I look at it from a psyche perspective. And, yeah, you got new members of this Leaf team who hasn't been on Leafs in the past. you still got young guys. I think they're much more promising this year than they have been previous years where you've seen things, as we've, as we've talked about, that, you know, you haven't seen from them in the past but I still am like, man, how it's tough to get that out of your head. You almost got to get this game six dub. Yeah, it, it, you just have so much doubt come upon you if you can't get it done here. You go into game seven, you still haven't got that fourth win in a playoff series. You go into game seven where it's just been nothing but dread for your team, your franchise, your fans for years now. 
I don't think the Leafs fans want to go there. I don't think you want to go there. You'd just rather have it over in game six here. Game six would be fine. I'm good with that. Um, you know, there's a, there, there, there's a time for a game seven dub. But I actually do feel that if you win this in game six here, I mean, obviously, if you win in game seven, the, the demons are exercised. The demons of Boston in 2013, 2014, that's gone. Or 2012, 2013, whatever it is, that's gone. Um, but winning in game six here takes so much more pressure off future game sevens. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Because when you get to game seven, you don't win game sevens. You don't win first round series. There's two things there that you're trying to overcome. Game six, you only have one. And that's winning a series. So go and fucking win the series. That's all I, that they, they should. And by the way, as I said, I tweeted out. I'm reminding people. I said Leafs and six. And they got a goddamn, they got a chance here to go Leafs and six. And, you know, other than that, I, I mean, there's really not too much more I can say. Um, am I stressed? I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really stressed because it doesn't really... I mean, when you're dead inside from years and years of training for this team, it doesn't really, like... I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Like, it's not... I don't know. I, I just... It, it's hard to describe where... You always expect failure. And, and, and to quote... A really good TV show, Ted Lasso. It's uh, in this show they say it's the hope that kills you, and that's what the members of this team in this TV show say. It's the hope that kills you, and I cannot agree more. I caught myself before Game Five saying, "You know, this team's different. It, it feels different. This team is different." And, and you know what? I sure hope that they prove me right. Because it, it really, to me, it does. It does not feel. And you're an outsider. Maybe you can tell me that I'm bad. Like I'm bad shit crazy. Well, to, seven to me, minutes in, it had to feel the same. <laughs> oh, it did for sure. But but then after that, when they went when they got back to two one two two, I was like, man, they feel. Before the game, it felt different. After the game, it felt different. I still maintain it feels different this year. It does. And I mean, I'm not saying playing the parade. I'm not saying any of that. I just think that. The way that this team is constructed and the way that, you know, the players that they have, like the guys like David Camp, like Anja Kasha, you know, McKay has been pretty good. Engvall has been good. Blackwell has been, you know, a nice addition. Um, Spezza plays three shifts a game. He's been fine. I got to get to that really shortly here because I I really got an opinion on that. And, but as I said, the biggest thing is your best players have been your best players. If your best players are not your best players, you're not going to win. And so far, the Leafs' best players have been their best players. Go, Leafs, go. We're going to take it in six. And if we don't, we're going to take it in seven. Uh, talking score. about Jason. Okay. Score go prediction? Ahead. Score prediction for game six. Um, oh, It's going to be an overtime game. We need one. Right, there has to be an overtime game coming shortly. Uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna be four three Leafs in OT, game six. I think they win it in OT in Tampa, because um, they don't do it easy. They're gonna they're gonna stress me the fuck out. They're probably gonna be up like three two late. Tampa's gonna tie it up at home. The building's gonna go bananas. It's gonna go to OT, and I think it's probably gonna be. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's going to be the normal guys. It's probably going to be like Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano, OT winner, blast from the point, like screen up top. Like that's probably what it's going to be, which by the way, I really like the way Mark Giordano has been playing. 
really getting shots on net. That guy knows how to play playoff hockey. I really like to see it. Uh, talking about Jason Spezza and his whatever quote or his uh, talk to Campbell and then, you know, in the room in between the first and second period, his, his uh, speech to the team. Why the fuck is Jason Spezza the guy that's getting you riled up? Like, I'm sorry. Do they not have a captain? That's yeah, that's just, not a rhetorical just, question. That's a real question. Do they or do they not have a captain? Yeah, but JT's not a captain for what he says or the way he like. He just like there's two different types of captains. There's your Mark Messies, and then there's like your Jonathan Tays, and both can be tremendous leaders. JT is not the Mark Messi kind. He's more the Jonathan Tays kind of guy, the Shea Weber kind of guy. He's not that guy who's going to give a big speech ever. I'm just tired of this. Shit, where why do you need a I don't know how old he 43? I don't know, he feels like he's 60. That's like 39, I think. Why do you need a 40 year old who barely plays anymore to give you a speech when you're paid 10 million dollars? 100% fair to get your shit together. Yep, like do you not have enough reasons just to get your shit together? Yep, I don't know. I think I, 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 I think I, it's all I think it's all overrated. The whole Spezza thing it is good that the least found a way to get up, and if that guess is, that's what you need, great. But I, I just found it a little overrated. I didn't understand it. I'm 100% with you, and I'm not hating. I'm just saying, like, why? I, I'm 100% with you. That's what you needed. You needed Jason Spezza, one of the most overrated players when he was good. And now, I'm not saying he's a bad player or a bad guy to have on your team. Like, I'm not... I'm not chirping Jason Spezza. If he want, like if he, if he said, if this is what he contributes to the team and this is what they need to get a dub, then fine. I'm good with that. But why does it have to come to that? Why can't somebody else step up and be like, boys, this is fucking bullshit. Why can't Sheldon McGeef be like, guys, this is fucking shit. It's yeah. Jason Spezza. Yeah. I just, I don't understand how it needed to come to that where you need a 40 year old player who's barely playing anymore to get you up to play. So, I yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, win the cup for Spets. Like, dude, how about you win the cup for all of Leafs Nation, who hasn't won a cup since 1967? How about win a cup for anybody on that team who has not won a cup before, too? Like, yeah, okay, Spets is getting old and he's not going to have any more chances. Yeah, that's fine and dandy, dude. But there's a lot of people who have won a cup. Anyway, I... It shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but it just, I'm, I, again, I'm 100% with you where I'm like, I cannot believe that this is what we need. And that's the guy that's sparking us, really. Of all the people that we have in our team, the captain we have, the assistants we have, like Jason Spezza's the guy who's like, yeah, we kind of suck, boys. Let's fucking go. Like, I would say the same thing if it was like, yeah, we had a really nice speech by Wayne Simmons or Kyle Clifford. Like, what are we doing? It, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, you guys should be able to figure it out and whatever. I mean, if that's what it takes and you need, then great for it. But you guys should be able to figure it out without a 40 year old who's barely playing for you anymore. That that's all. That's what I got with that. Anyway, so I think um, what's your prediction then? Do you think it's going to seven? I think it's going to seven. I think Tampa's going to do what they do after a loss. Doesn't that streak have to break at some point? Doesn't have to. What are they 16 and 0? Something like that. Well, they were fourteen and zero prior to this playoff, so now they're sixteen and zero because they keep 
keep winning back those games. But I don't know. It's got to end sometime. Who better than the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Yeah, because that makes sense in the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I legit don't know. I did like your comment, though, how you said that there's better teams in the playoffs and they're both in the, both in the Western side because that means you think that the Leafs are the best would be the, if they got through would be the best team in the eastern side. I think I think Florida, Florida, Tampa, and Toronto are also close. I know you're really down on Florida, but I think all three teams are super close. Florida's defense a lot of the season wasn't as good as it should have been because they were missing Aaron Ekblad for a lot of that, who is a number one D, and they have a couple other issues on D, but their forward group is just so deep and so good. I'm still still high on Florida, way higher than you are. I'm not trying to like put this down as if like the Leafs are playing them because I don't know if they are. If Tampa played Florida, I would expect Tampa to fuck them up. Like, I just how I feel. I don't – I don't know. I'm just not on them. I also wasn't on L.A., though, so who knows? Like, I mean, it is what it is, I suppose. And Colorado's just – yeah, I mean, they're just next level at this point. Kel McCarr's – Kel McCarr's not even going to win the Norris. But Kel McCarr just had 10 points in four games. <laughs> and he's not going to win the Norris, which is nuts. I mean, yeah. Yo- Yossi's going to win the Norris. Yossi should win the Norris, but Kale McCarr, as Nathan McKinnon just said the other day, Kale McCarr might be the best player in the NHL. I mean, he's not, but I get the sentiment. I get the sentiment. I mean, McDavid's obviously. McDavid's the best. Come on. If you start to add, like, how important defensemen are compared to forwards and everything else that Kale McCarr can bring, you probably have an argument there. But, yeah, like, McDavid's the best player. But, like, what's his – what's his – but, like, what are the what are the, num- what are the defensive numbers? Like, I haven't seen that. Like, I'm not going to – Oh, he's still great defensively. Okay, well, that's fine then. I mean, if he's good defensively and puts up that kind of numbers, then, yeah, he's amazing. But it also, like, what's McDavid's defensive numbers? I don't know. Like, I, that's the only thing that I think bothers me when we're talking about this kind of shit is, like, I, I do not know the advanced analytics on it, which are useful. They are 100% are useful yeah. because it's, like, that that's what can differentiate good or bad because we don't watch every well, McCar- Colorado game. McCarr and Yossi are not Eric Carlson from his years when he was putting up a ton of points where he was a liability in his own end and stuff. Yossi and McCarr are exceptional players in their own end and defensively as well. I mean, McCarr is gross. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Like, Man, McCarr on the Team Canada blue line in the Olympics, like, wh- like wh- what team is going to be better than Team Canada? You don't if, think if the can, NHLers but- went. You don't think any can, but uh, the U.S. is going to be pretty strong, and you never know about some of the other European I don't teams. Know. So, I, I was just looking at this, and like, man, this kid's from Alberta. Like, holy fuck, man! Like, this guy's going to be our number one defenseman on Team Canada if they ever play again. Like, he's only twenty three. You know, when he, when he's twenty seven and, and more established, like, oh my god, like they're going to be unbelievable. Um, all right, I think I'm good on the Leaf stuff. I got everything out that I need to get out. Oh, it wasn't really that inspiring, I don't think, but. I just that's just where I'm at in my head. Yeah, we'll just, see next we'll see next week whether they're playing or not. So Oh man, could you imagine the podcast next week if they don't get it done? Oh I just won't, I won't get to talk. Oh dude. And, and like again, I want to clarify. I don't make this has been brought up a couple of times. I don't make excuses for them because there's no excuses to be had. I mean, anybody who's any sort of hockey fan who does this kind of thing, yeah, there's no excuses now. I mean, there, there hasn't been for, I don't know, what? When was the last time you can make excuses? The Boston loss in 2013? Like, Washington? Washington? Losing to Washington in six? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I can make an excuse for that. Now? No. Mm, 
no excuses last year, no excuses this year. Ain't gonna happen. Like it just it it is what it is. And, and you can't even at this point blame officiating because the officiating's been awful all series, both ways. And you know, for all intents and purposes, will continue to be awful. Continuing like continuing forward. Second round, if they could, I mean, if the officiating is gonna be this bad in the second round, oh man, it's gonna be unwatchable if my team's out of it. Seriously. Yeah, hence why I have barely watched any playoff hockey. Well, I'll let you know though if if it gets if it, if it gets any better officiating wise, I'll let you know. It's it's, it's a tough gig. It is, one hundred percent. It's a tough gig. I understand that. It's not easy. But you also don't have to call fucking one hundred and twenty six penalty minutes in six games on leagues, like or five games on leagues. Like that's just insanity. Uh, and a hundred on Tampa, like that. Anyway. It's the least fault for complaining about the officiating last year, and that's what cost them the series. They're fucking if they're bad, they're bad, man. I, did you see the 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 cross check penalty Giordano got in the first period? Oh, they're, they're just calling every cross check. Oh my if guy, god! If a guy even cross checks a guy, it's like, yeah, you're going to the box. It wasn't even a cross check. He just put his he 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 put his his stick held like a cross check on his back of his pants and pushed him. Didn't cross check him, pushed him like you see yep. a billion times. Yep. In this regular season, every game you see it. There was probably 10 to 20 instances of it after that in that game, and that's the one they called. And I just – it's just so annoying. At least, Cam, we can agree on penalties this year because last year we did not agree on penalties. This year, I'm pretty sure every single fan, no matter what team you are, is on the same page. Yeah, it just hasn't been good. So, anyway, I got nothing else in terms of that. guess we'll see what happens next week. I could be really happy or I could be really – we're both pretty good about the NHL here. So uh, um, with the Jays currently on a four-game slide, I don't even want to talk about them. We can wait till next week with that. Hopefully by then they're winning again. Yeah, I mean, losing three to the Yankees is no fun. Nope. I got, yesterday's I game, yesterday's game was right weird. Now. Like, fucking uh, Garcia gets tossed for nothing. Then Pete yeah, Walker gets tossed for yelling, which that makes sense. Then Montoya. Then Bo gets one right by his head. After Garcia gets tossed with no warning, and obviously a pitch got away with him, and he was up 0-1 in the count and got tossed for it, like his most ridiculous toss in the history of the MLB. And then Bo gets one buzzed by his head, and Montoya talks about it, and he gets tossed. Like man, umps are so fucked. They got to be careful, dude. If you're an ump, like seriously, like they already chatter, they're gonna put in robot umps, and and they just have one guy on the. You know, one ump out there basically just being, or two, you know, one in the outfield, one behind between the benches. And the and the ump calls, the robot up calls, you know, balls and strikes. If you're going to be this shit and be this, like, power trippy, I guess you could say, then I would feel the same if it was, the Yankees did the same thing. Like, situationally, last night made no sense for Garcia to be tossed. Um, Jay's bat's not good enough, though. That's bottom line. If you no. Your 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 pitchers and your defense can only give up two uh, two runs, which is pretty good in uh, Major League Baseball, especially in the uh, American League. And if you score zero or one, that's yeah, that ain't gonna fly. Yeah, their bats haven't been good enough. It should be a top five offense. It's kind of middle of the pack. They are actually setting records for worst batting average with runners in scoring position since two thousand and one, which Ooh. makes no sense. But uh, it's some of these things have to regress to the positive so a positive regression they're still not in a horrible spot they're 17 and 15 things can figure themselves out lots of games left talk to me about the pga tour so pga tour says uh yeah you ain't playing in the live 
Yeah, so the PGA Tour has kind of stepped up big time here. We had a bunch of players uh, trying to ask to go play in the Saudi League, the Live League, Greg Norman, CEO, president, or whatever the heck he is of the league, uh, to go over there to, I think, the first tournaments in England, Great Britain, somewhere over there. Uh, and the PGA Tour denied the release, saying it's going to impact them. It's the same week as the RBC Canadian Open, so it impacts us here because we'd love to see top players in Canada. But it's just going to turn into a mess now. It sounds like they had a couple top players. I think they had seven of the top 50 players committed to this. Something else, like 23 of the top 100 or something like that. I can't remember the exact numbers. But none of these players are going to be allowed to go. It's turning into a big mess. You get Justin Thomas stepping up and saying, if they want to go, just let them go. Like, if they don't want to be a part of our tour and everything that it's about, let them go. Don't let them come back. Which it sounds like if you want to drop the PGA Tour card, you can go. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Greg Norman's still arguing that it's all the golfers are just independent contractors and they should be allowed to play wherever they want, whatever they want. That's not the way it works. And there's a lot of fame that comes with the PGA Tour. They use your name and likeness. You use their stuff to get stuff, to use charities, all that Spon- stuff. Sponsors, so. all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just a kind of a whole mess, and I get both sides of the argument. But uh, it's big news that the PGA Tour is not going to let them, so we'll see what happens now. I imagine most of these players aren't going to go, but we might see a couple go, and they could lose a lot of rights to pretty much everything because it sounds like the DP or European Tour is going to step up and say the same thing. So we'll see what happens. And then the PGA is even going to make it tougher for amateurs who go and want to play in this. It's going to make it tougher to get into the PGA University and so on and so forth. So it's going to be messy for anybody who wants to go play in the Saudi League. How many of the majors are PGA-like guided in a sense? Technically only one, and it's even it's the PGA of America, so it's kind of confusing. It's not even the PGA Tour. So really none of the four majors are run by the PGA Tour. So which, like, let's just say you're a guy like Phil Mickelson, for example, and you are like, fuck the PGA Tour. This is bullshit. I want to go play in the live. I'm going to get played a ton of money, uh, but I want to play the majors. How many realistically is he going to get in? Augusta. He has to. I don't know if they'll let him in Augusta. Like Augusta, but like super why though? Strict about things. They might just say no. Just everything based with how the funding happens in Saudi Arabia. Everything going on in Saudi Arabia. It's one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Um, the RNA. I doubt he'd ever play the Open again. Uh, the USGA. I think has said no, which is the one that Phil's still missing. He's so. And the PGA of America, I would imagine, would go with the PGA Tour and say no. So my guess is, if anybody wants to go and play in this, they're most likely not going to play any majors. So if you're a senior, it's fine. Well, yeah, because this is more money and more. If you're on the champions, if you're on the champions tour, like knock your knock yourself out. Yeah, this will be more prestige and more money than anything on the champions tour because nobody really cares about champions tour majors. So, well, Phil's coming to the end anyway. But uh, Tiger, Tiger is apparently going to be playing in the PGA Championship not this weekend, but it's next weekend. Yeah, Phil will be there too from the sounds of it. So we'll see what happens after that because the first live event is after the PGA Championship. So we'll see Tiger. We'll see Phil. We'll see all the guys. And we'll, we'll touch on that next week. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to touch on it. Give our best bets. My golf bets have been absolute dog shit this year. So I got to really uh, – my golf game in general. Actually, no. I'm, I'm down to a 19.9 handicap, eh? Below 20. Let's go. Below, below 20. My goal of the start of the... I mean, yeah, today's round was absolute dog shit. Not good at all. But what is it? The What, three rounds count of the 10? What's the deal? It's what you shoot your four best... What you can shoot in four of your best 10 rounds. 
So what you're expected to shoot in like 40% of your rounds. So you're basically expected to shoot right around 19 over in 40% of your rounds. Okay. So you take out, so you're, so out of 10 rounds, you're going to have six absolute dog shit rounds. As long as you have four good ones, that's what they take it on. And then it's basically the average or the best of your four rounds. Okay. Okay. So my goal was like 16. That's what I want to be. I want to be a 16 handicap, which to some might seem like I'm really, you know, setting a, high goal that's really unatt- like stupid but you've seen me golf i think 16's fair if you can keep f- the ball in play that was that's the biggest thing dude i've that oh my god the putting's been good this year but the keeping the ball in play like today was not good i think i had three or four ob and that just that just murders you ball off the tee has just been rough but anyway um yeah anything else you got Nope, that is all I have this week. Go, Leafs, go. Close this shit out. They got a game tomorrow, which is Thursday. They got a game Saturday, maybe, in Toronto. And I'm not going to have time this weekend to do an emergency pod if they lose. So you're going to hear the next time you're going to hear my voice is probably going to be next Tuesday or Wednesday. So I'm either going to have a week to be happy and there'll probably be a game or two into the second round or I'm going to be fucking miserable and you're going to hear me rant for 20 minutes next week. So there you go. Suck on that. I suppose. There you go. I just don't want to, I just don't want to, you know, give, you know, I don't, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to not show up for games. John fucking Cooper, piece of shit. I actually really like him as a coach. But anyway, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Over Six Sports, uh, at Zach Burke Over Six, and at C Charlton Turf. And for the Over Six Sports podcast, I'm Zach Vandenberg. And with me, as always, the Turf Team, Cameron Charlton. Thanks for listening to Over Six Sports. We'll chat with you next week.